Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Welcome to this week's episode. On this week's episode of the podcast, we talk about Sony announcing their brand new handheld as they try to emulate the Wii U. And we're talking about the MetaQuest 3 announcement. All right, starting off with topic number one, the PlayStation Q handheld. And funny enough, in my notes, I actually put PlayStation's version of the Wii U. (laughs) Um, So we don't know the price yet, but whatever it is, I'm going to say it's too high. For those of you who don't know, PlayStation, you know, we've been talking about a rumored PlayStation handheld for quite some time, uh, and they officially revealed it. And essentially what it looks like is if you take playstation 5 controller you split it in half down the middle and you stick an eight inch screen in the middle of it that's what the playstation q is and it is a remote play device pretty much so it's not a standalone device you can't take it on the road and you know play in a car or play on public transit it needs to be connected to wi-fi and you are essentially streaming games from your playstation to this device so the purpose of it You know, if you're at home and maybe somebody is using the TV and you don't want to disrupt whatever they're doing on the TV or whatever they're watching, or maybe, you know, you're in bed late at night and you don't want to set up a extra TV in your room or some sort of thing like that. So it's essentially a Wii U tablet. And, you know, the Wii U wasn't very successful for Nintendo. Uh, So it's interesting that they chose to, I mean... They pretty much chose to emulate it, right? But when you look at what this offers, it's nothing brand new, especially when you look at, you know, PS Remote Play exists right now. Yep. And you can remote play games on your computer, on your phone, on your tablet, and you can already pair via Bluetooth a PlayStation 5 controller to your phone or your tablet. You know, they have accessories like the Backbone accessory, which turns your phone into you know essentially a playstation controller too so i don't really see what this adds and you know aside from you have a playstation fanboy enthusiast that wants to get every single accessory playstation comes out with okay yeah they can get a a playstation q handheld but other than that i don't really see the need for this device especially you know especially because it's a remote play device most people are probably going to be using it in their house, right? So, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the PlayStation Q handheld, and who do you think it's for? I think it's going to be for uh, people who just love Sony hardware and who will pick up, you know, any Sony-branded stuff in the beginning and maybe who just want a cool controller as well. Um, Or, you know, someone who needs, like, the Wii U kind of style where, you know, you got one living room TV, that's where the PlayStation is hooked up, you know, someone wants to watch a show or maybe you want to watch a show while you're playing a game at the same time, you have that option. I mean, personally, I think the Wii U was really cool. Um, you know, I, I think they could have done some a lot of better things in terms of marketing and also making the tablet controller a little bit nicer. Uh, but I think where that has a leg up on on this particular product is that it came with every Wii U. That was like the default controller that came in the box. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, I wish Sony would have did something like that from the very beginning and said, hey, yeah, every console is going to ship with this controller. Probably make the console a lot more expensive. But 
it is one of those things where it's a little confusing, and I kind of agree with you. There isn't a huge use case considering remote play already exists. So if you did want to do that situation where you were, uh, you know, you wanted to watch TV and play a game at the same time, you could just use your phone with a backbone controller, and that would probably cost less than than this device because, uh, you know, you already have a phone. Most people already have a phone, and then you just pick up the controller on top of that. But there's also something that, you know, Sony's released some hardware in the past that has come out and has been quite poor. Things like the PlayStation 1 Classic, which was the little uh, PlayStation 1 console that had, you know, some games on it. It was really bad when it came out. The PlayStation Vita TV was another uh, kind of uh, console that was not great when it came out. It was a little box that you can connect to your TV that you could play Vita games on. And then even things like the Vita and the PSP, you know, those were good devices, but with every one of these devices, they got better with time because people were able to hack them and do really, really cool things with them. And I imagine, you know, at first the the kind of reaction is this is unnecessary. This tablet is unnecessary. Uh, but then I think about, well, what happens if someone can hack this thing? Like, what could you possibly do with it? Um, maybe it might have, you know, the power to run Android or something like that. And it could be like a, an Android gaming device. Maybe you can start playing Game Pass games on it. Uh, and then make it a little bit more useful. Who knows? That that's all. That's just speculation at this point. But yeah, I would. It would be cool to see something like this get in the hands of of hackers to kind of jailbreak it a bit and have you do more. And then the added thing on top of that is, well, how is this going to stream? Because one really cool thing about the Wii U is that, and it really kind of surprised me uh, playing on the Wii U that it didn't feel like there was any kind of disadvantage. If you're playing on, like, let's say, for example, Smash Brothers, if you're playing on the tablet and looking at the tablet instead of the TV, my mind would think, oh, there's going to be latency there because it's streaming the video wirelessly to the tablet. Everyone who's looking at the TV is going to have a better reaction time because they're they're not getting wirelessly streamed video. Uh, they're just looking at the TV where it's connected wired. But that wasn't the case. The Wii U felt very much, you know, almost no latency. And if they can do a similar thing with this tablet where they can have that same kind of tech streaming the video to the tablet with very little to no latency um, and then also not needing the internet to stream. So like if you're in your house, you're just streaming directly from the PlayStation 5 that's in front of you. I think that could be a really, really cool use case. Uh, but I don't know. There's so many questions uh, with this. It's, it's kind of hard to tell where it's actually going to go, but it will come out later this year. It's supposed to have a 1080p 60 hertz screen um, and it's supposed to be eight inches. So it's a pretty big device, uh, maybe even bigger than the Wii U tablet overall in terms of length. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You mentioned price a little bit. I, I'm curious, what do you think this thing needs to be priced at to be interesting to most people? And then two, I can't tell if this is a dumb design or a cool design. <laughs> um, and I don't know if this is what they're going to stick with long term. They they did talk about how, you know, the design is not yet final, but it just looks it looks like a PlayStation control controller bolted onto a tablet. And part of me is like, this looks really dumb. But then another part of me is like, well, yeah, maybe it's also kind of cool. I don't know. How do you how do you feel about the design and where you think the price should be? I think the design is stupid, <laughs> to be honest. I think it's very stupid. As you said, it looks like. It they just split a controller in half and then stuck a 
stuck a screen in the middle of it. Yeah. It doesn't look very ergonomic either. Like, I mean, <laughs> as stupid as this sounds, I feel like it would have looked better if it was literally a controller with a screen sticking out the top of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be better. But I don't know. Maybe balance-wise, this is better. Maybe it is actually ergonomic. I'm sure they've done some sort of testing. And price-wise, I I really don't know. Like, $50 more than a, a regular PlayStation 5 controller? Hmm. Like, as you said, if this came with every PlayStation 5, yeah, that'd be a different story. You'd probably see wider adoption. But because this is an external accessory that you have to buy on top of it, like, can you even use it as just a regular controller then too? Like maybe if you're, you know, playing Street Fighter or playing some sort of multiplayer games. Yeah. Instead of split screen, maybe you can use this as one of your screens. That would be cool. Right? You know, if, uh, but yeah, as I said, whatever it costs, it's too much. <laughs> and especially because, you know, it's a 1080p 60 hertz. PlayStation 5, you know, PlayStation 5 is a pretty high-powered gaming console, right? Especially when you look at the fact that, okay, it can export stuff in 4K, 8K, up to 120 hertz. Like, when you look at the gaming monitors that PlayStation came out to go with as accessories for this, I would expect something, a screen a little bit better, mm -hmm. especially coming from Sony, right? If it's a handheld accessory for your PS5, I would expect at least 120 hertz or at least, you know, 90 hertz, really, I guess, you know, to show off the power of the of the PlayStation 5. 1080p, okay, yeah, it's a handheld. It's an 8-inch screen. You're not going to notice that much of a difference going, you know, from 1080 to 2K or 4K on an 8-inch screen. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I hope the design isn't final, but... I really don't know what else they could do. Yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not excited for it. I don't think it's going to do well. Uh, maybe I'm just being pessimistic. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I don't know who asked for this. Well, okay, let's say this is like a $200 device US, um, which is about $100 premium, maybe $120 premium over like a regular DualShock controller. Can you see any situation of like, or is have you ever thought that you wanted to do a situation where it's like, okay, you know, you're watching, I don't know, some TV show and maybe you want to do some missions in Assassin's Creed or, or Cyberpunk or something or, you know, play a little Call of Duty Warzone while there's something else playing on the background and you could just hold it in your hands and use it as a like a switch while you're sitting on your couch and watching something else. Have you ever felt like you wanted that kind of use case? And I mean... Do you think that maybe with Sony doing this, kind of copying the Wii U, with the Switch 2 eventually, do you think that they could get away with potentially doing the Wii U again, where the Switch tablet, there's a more powerful console, but the Switch tablet is, is kind of just like streaming stuff, so you're not going to be taking it with you everywhere you go? I guess the first question, I've never I never felt the need to do that. Mm. I don't know. I'm... I, guess I'm the type of gamer when I'm playing a game, it's because I want to be immersed in the game. Okay, yeah. So, you know, whether it's God of War or whether it's Zelda or something, there's 
I don't want to be distracted by anything else or I'm not going to be distracted by anything else. If I'm playing one of those type of games on a console, then chances are whatever else is on the TV or whatever else, you know, could be playing, I'm not paying attention to. I'm paying attention to this game. So I've never been, I've never wanted to, oh yeah, let me, you know, play some God of War while, you know, something's playing in the background. The second question, do not change, do not do that to the Switch. <laughs> you know, I've said multiple times, my favorite thing about the Switch is that the tablet is the console, mm-hmm. right? I can take it on the road. I can play at home. If you turn it into, if you turn it into what the Wii U was, where it's, okay, this is the, you know, the base console, and then this tablet is just an accessory controller, well, then it loses, it's not a handheld console anymore mm-hmm. and i think that's what's so successful about it is that you know what before the switch there was the nintendo ds those were the most popular handheld consoles right which i mean at, at the time good graphics for them i guess but nowhere near what the switch is the fact that i could take a zelda game take breath of the wild or take tears of the kingdom i could play on public transit i could play you know in a car while you know someone else is driving i'm not driving while playing it um but the fact that you have that much power in your hands and it's not streaming from anything you don't have to be you know within a certain range of the home console that is perfection and it's launched the whole industry into itself Mm -hmm. you know so do definitely do not go back to the way of the wii u or go back to the way of this playstation q handheld keep the switch how it is just make it more powerful, I guess, or maybe add more power when you dock it, something like that. But yeah, do not go back to the the Wii U version. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I, the only reason I asked that is because I was surprised to hear how many people use their Switch only docked. And it's interesting, I only use my Switch undocked. And I feel like what you're saying is 100% true. The reason why it's so flexible is because the tablet is where the hardware is. If it was any, you know, more confusing or convoluted than that, where like some of the hardware is in the dock and then some of it is in the tablet, I think it makes it less flexible. Even though I do hear a lot of people saying that they want the next switch to be a lot more powerful. I don't know how much more powerful it can be while still being a handheld that has good battery life and is relatively small and light. But yeah, it's a... it's an interesting decision from PlayStation. Uh, it kind of makes me think maybe if they really wanted to do this, they should have just released the controller attachment uh, and mm-hmm. have people able to attach it to their own device. So if they're doing this, hopefully they're doing something really cool with the streaming tech, kind of like how the Wii U was so that there's no latency. But I don't know. There's no price. There's The design's not final. Who knows? This thing might not even come out, but they do expect it to come out later this year. Yeah. Whatever it is, costs too much. <laughs> All right, on to topic number two. The MetaQuest 3 has been announced for $4.99. So on, I guess on Mark Zuckerberg's Instagram, he was kind of teasing that there was going to be an announcement about the MetaQuest soon, and then it officially came out. The MetaQuest 3 has been announced. It's lighter. It's more powerful than ever. And it's going to cost $4.99. Now, they technically beat Apple to the punch in releasing, you know, their VR headset. So a lot of people are saying the only reason they did this is to steal the headlines away from Apple. Say, you know, here's a MetaQuest 3. 
It's 40% thinner. It's apparently the most powerful headset yet. You know, there was an entire commercial that they came out with it. And it looks it looks good. It looks like a good device. It looks lighter. It looks, you know, thin, powerful. And $499, it seems like a pretty good price, especially when you talk about what the rumors for Apple's headset are mm-hmm. being, you know, $3,000. But it's not out yet. And this is really just a teaser commercial. I think the commercial is maybe like, you know, a minute and 20 seconds. And the official launch event, the official reveal won't happen until September 27th. So it's, I don't know, it is kind of strange. And it does seem to me like they've released this announcement just to steal some of the spotlight away from Apple, which is stupid because Apple is just going to steal the spotlight back anyways. No matter what, I don't know short of releasing their MetaQuest 3 like today and we're recording the day the morning of wwdc short of re- surprise releasing it it doesn't matter what you do because everyone's just going to be talking about apple anyways mm-hmm. so i guess what are your thoughts on this surprise announcement what are your thoughts on you know what we've seen so far we haven't seen much but what are your thoughts on the MetaQuest 3 and what do you think of the price yeah so my thoughts are a little mixed um the price is high it five hundred dollars you know it makes sense but it, it is still a bit high it's it's much higher than what you know made the meta quest line so popular it was kind of like the accessible version of vr um but i think to your point when we see what the apple headset comes out for i think a lot of people are going to be like well now this thing seems cheap mm-hmm. rather than comparing it to something like the quest or the quest 2 uh so I think that's one thing. Another thing that I feel like I, I think you're 100% right that this will probably get out sh- uh, outshined and, and, you know, be in the shadow of if, you know, this is, we're recording this a few hours before uh, the WWDC day one. Uh, but if Apple uh, reveals their new headset, which they will likely probably do, at least that's what the rumors are saying. Uh, I think why it will also be outshined, outshined by that is the design. I actually thought that the MetaQuest Pro looked really cool. Uh, it looked less like a VR headset and, and you know, more interesting. Although I have seen a lot of people talk about how the finish, um, the kind of glossy finish on the outside gets scratched really easily uh, and doesn't look as good, you know, not too long after owning it, which is a little bit of a shame. But at least first impressions were that this looks like a future product of, of AR and VR in terms of it looking less like a headset and more like goggles or glasses. Uh, and this design, I feel like, is a step back. I feel like this looks very much like a like a headset. But it, outside of that, I will say when they show in this, uh, you know, just over one minute video about how much th- slimmer it is than the uh, MetaQuest 2, I think that's kind of impressive. And, you know, like you mentioned, yeah, it does look like it will probably be quite a bit lighter than the first one and hopefully more comfortable, which means that you'd probably be able to use it for a lot longer in terms of comfort. But then you also wonder, well, does this thinness mean that the battery life will be considerably worse? Uh, and there's not a lot of information. Like you mentioned, they they announced this probably to try to get ahead of Apple, but there's still very little details. Like we know it's going to be using a next gen Snapdragon chip. It's supposed to have double the processing, the GPU processing power of the first one, uh, which, you know, it may have, um, 
It may have exclusive games going forward, which I think would be helpful in terms of getting PSVR 2 games to look better. Uh, If the baseline that, you know, the device that they're trying to tackle is is a little bit higher, I I think that's only going to help. But the problem with that is at the $499 price tag, is it going to sell as much as the MetaQuest 2? And if it doesn't sell as much as the MetaQuest 2, and that's still the most popular device, I think uh, The Verge did a report uh, not too long ago that stated that there were 20 million Quest 1 and Quest 2 devices sold. Mm-hmm. That's a that's considerably more than any other VR headset out there. So if you're a developer, you want to make sure you're, you're you know, tackling as many people or reaching as many people as possible to make, you know, money off your game. Um, so yeah, the fact that it's more powerful is interesting, but hopefully, you know, these sell enough to, that, you know, developers can start taking advantage of that power. But then there's also the fact that it's going to have, you know, much higher resolution displays. And where I think this, you know, I, I've compared this a little bit to what the imaginary Apple headset that we're supposed to see soon. But I think where this is really interesting to someone like me is that, okay, it's supposed to be more powerful. Uh, you know, it's this new MetaQuest headset. It's $500, which is generally more affordable than what we expect uh, the the Apple headset to be and also more affordable than what the PSVR 2 is, especially because, you know, you also need the PlayStation. But then there's also the added usability of, hey, this thing is also just compatible with PCs. You can just plug it into a PC if you want. Um, So there's just so much more use cases for it. And, you know, that kind of gets me a little excited. But yeah, I do 100% agree with you. I do think that this will probably be outshined by the the Apple headset as soon as it's announced. Mm Mm-hmm. So speaking of use cases, uh, one interesting thing I saw about the short commercial they had, they only showed people playing video games on it. Mm-hmm. Right? I That's mean, a good point. When we talked about the MetaQuest Pro, or when people talk about the MetaQuest Pro, it's like, okay, this is meant to be, you know, a uh, facilitating workplace, facilitating digital workspaces. It's supposed to be for professionals, but it's like, that's... That's not what people want VR for. Yeah. And I think one thing that is good about this, and maybe it's just the the quest line, or I guess maybe the quest, you know, two, three, four, whenever they come out, maybe that line they understand is for video games. And maybe they're gonna keep on trying to push the pro lineup for professionals, you know, having meetings in VR, maybe. But I kind of hope that this commercial signifies that they understand if they want to be successful in VR, they have to continue to push video games because that's what people want to do. And that's what's going to bring people onto your platform, right? Part of why there's, what, the 21 million Quest units out there, part of why that is, is because people were playing games and people were having fun. Yeah, It's not because you allowed them to have meetings in VR or you know, whatever else they try to market to MetaQuest Pro as. People want to play games with their friends and they want to have fun. Keep on focusing on that and you will keep on doing well. And obviously, yes, you need to make it affordable for people also. But yeah, that's one thing that I kind of noticed is there was no <laughs> meetings in this commercial, which is a good thing. It'd be a terrible commercial if if you had meetings, people meeting in VR in it. But yeah. Yeah, I think, and you brought up a good point, you know, the PlayStation 5, you or the PSVR 2, you need a PlayStation 5 with it. 
the Apple headset, people are saying it's going to be like $3,000. So whenever Apple announces it, assuming they announce it later on today, this is still going to be a pretty affordable option when it comes to VR, mm-hmm. right? Especially when it comes to gaming in VR. And especially, as you mentioned, you could plug this directly into a PC with all the, you know, the, the advanced haptics and the visuals and everything of the PlayStation VR 2. You can't plug it into a PC to play VR games. Yeah. Right. So as cool as that is, it's like, all right, well, you could only use it for a PlayStation 5 and with the PlayStation 5, you know, enabled games. So, yeah, I think it would be nice if it was a little bit cheaper. But what's good is they're dropping the price of the of the MetaQuest 2, which is still a good device. I think they're dropping it to two ninety nine for the entry level version. Yes. Right. So yeah, when it comes to getting people into VR and getting people into VR gaming and being a good entry point, the MetaQuest series is still the go-to. I mean, who knows? Maybe Apple comes out with a headset that costs a hundred dollars and you know comes free with every iPhone SE, <laughs> but probably not. They're probably gonna charge you your firstborn child for it. But yeah, I don't I I think Meta is as weird as that is to say, I think Meta is doing a good job with their Quest lineup now. Not so much with the Pro 3. Good job, Meta. Well, I don't know. I would say I think the Pro would have been a great device if it was just priced better. I think that was the biggest problem is the price of the Pro. Um, obviously, the battery life was an issue as well. But from everything we're hearing, Apple's going to have the same issues with battery life and potentially even have a tethered battery with it, which, you know, not necessarily the most elegant thing. Like I said, this is all rumors. We'll know in a few hours what's happening uh, with with Apple. But yeah, I, I do agree with you, though. I, I do think this is kind of cool. And then, you know, on top of that, when the Quest 2 first came out and even the Quest 1, they were like 64 gigabytes of storage. Um, and now, you know, this one is starting with 128 gigabytes. There's going to be a 256 model. And then even the Quest 2 that they're discounting, they're discounting the 128 gigabyte model for 299 and the uh, the 256 gigabyte model for 349, I believe. So you're now getting double the storage for the amount that the Quest 2 was originally coming out for. I imagine they're going to sell quite a few of those because, I don't know, I, if you're interested at all in VR, because I think this is a conversation that many people have had and even we've talked about on the podcast. If you haven't experienced VR, you just kind of, it's just like a curiosity thing. You just want to try it out. Uh, you don't necessarily need to play Half-Life Alex or, you know, go do a meeting in VR or, you know, scan a mountain. Um, <clears throat> you kind of just want to see what it's about. And the cheaper that, that entry point is just to see what it what VR is all about, I think the better for something like the MetaQuest. But then it makes me wonder if Apple does start with these like ex- extremely premium. We've had this conversation before um, about whether or not Apple's headset will be successful we think it will just because it's apple but i don't know i'm seeing things like the playstation vr2 we're seeing the MetaQuest 3 and it's getting announced and i definitely feel like the excitement is definitely lower than it was for the MetaQuest 2 do you still think apple can be you know successful with uh, a ar slash vr headset if it's going to be in the thousand dollar range um and then also i, I just want to shout out quickly that one cool addition with this new headset in terms of augmented reality AR is that this will be getting full color pass through as well. 
Um, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, do you think Apple, you know, with this new device coming out at five, $499, $500, you have the PlayStation uh, VR 2 at 549 If Apple's like, no, we want to be at least $1,000 to $3,000 for our headset, do you still think they can be ex- successful at that price range? I think closer to the $1,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say $1,500 would be like the cap for being widely adopted. Um, but I mean, once again, these are just a bunch of rumors that are circulating. I know before there was rumors that at WWDC, they would reveal a developer version of it that would cost $3,000. And then by the time it comes to market, it would actually be, you know, a scaled down version of it that would be more reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. But people spend $1,000 on an iPhone right now. Right. So I think that a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars for a headset wouldn't be outlandish, especially because it's Apple. Right. People, people will pay the Apple tax. We know that. Yeah. Especially if they market it and make it look cool. And Apple is amazing. And um, <laughs> Apple is amazing at marketing and making things look cool, you know. Um, but then it's, it kind of goes back to what I said about Meta, right, is. Meta understood, at least for this commercial, they have to make it cool. They have to make it fun. Focus on video games. Mm-hmm. Will Apple be able to shift the market or shift people's idea of VR? Maybe. I'm sure whatever commercials they come out with, it's going to look amazing. But right now, VR is about gaming. That's what VR is. Yeah. Will they be able to successfully make a gaming device to be honest i don't see apple doing that now will they be able to shift vr from gaming to something else once again i don't know if they'll be able to do that right they're obviously cooler than meta yeah. definitely <laughs> but i don't know if they're that cool or if their marketing teams are that good right maybe. so yeah i mean maybe they do an apple tv play where you know they've been doing a lot of stuff on you know, getting sports, you know, they have you know, MLB games now, baseball games and stuff like that. Maybe they be, mm-hmm. they're like, hey, all of our programs, you're going to have a an awesome, you know, VR experience or AR experience with anything. And then also with the sports, we're going to have specific cameras that you can be right, you know, on the sideline, right in the, the manager's box or whatever. And you can, you can watch the game directly, you know, with that, that kind of experience. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if that's enough to get people interested in spending $1,500 or, you know, even even $500. I don't know if people are going to be like, that's enough for me to, to be on the sideline of like a basketball game. But I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, sports might be the most compelling thing other than gaming, mm-hmm. I would say. Especially if it's like, okay, you get court side seats or you get ringside seats or, you know, pitch side seats. For a thousand dollars, that's that would be a pretty cool experience, but yeah, I don't know if I don't know if they can do it, and that's even if that's what they want to do. Yeah, that's, right. That's Maybe their whole idea is, oh yeah, we're gonna <laughs> this new device is gonna make your me emojis that much better. It's like, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> this that what I'm paying a thousand dollars for. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, we'll have to see what Apple ends up revealing and what their use case ends up being for this. But yeah, I'd 
don't know if if they can shift the VR market to something other than gaming. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I well, on the gaming front, you know, Sony is doing kind of okay with the PSVR2. I think there was something like 600 to 800,000 units sold, which isn't bad. Um but do you think that it would be a good idea or even possible that if Sony really cares about VR but isn't interested in making hardware that they just let the MetaQuest 3 be compatible with the PlayStation 5? I mean, they're around the same price. They don't have to worry about if Meta's losing any money on every one of these devices sold. It's generally going to use a USB-C port just like the PSVR 2 headset. And then I imagine... I don't think any companies care about this, but that would be really consumer friendly that there could be one headset that you could either use standalone with your PC or with your PS5. But I don't know. Do you ever see a, a situation where Sony would be like, yeah, you know what? We don't want to make headsets anymore. You can use the Quest 3 and, and we'll continue to develop VR games. No, mm. I don't see that. I To me, Sony is someone that wants all of the profits you know, if it was, if we're talking about Microsoft and Microsoft was the one developing VR games, I could definitely see that, especially with how successful they've been with Game Pass. But I don't know. Sony seems like the company, the kind of company where they just want all of the profits for themselves and they aren't willing to share with anyone. Yeah. Right. Especially when you look at their titles, you know, like Spider-Man, like God of War, where it's, they could they would sell so many copies of those games if they were on Xbox. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's never going to happen because I it just, it seems like their, their company's culture, at least for PlayStation. Right. So yeah, I don't see them. I don't see them ever doing it. I think if they ever stop making VR hardware, they're just going to stop making VR games. In my opinion, that's what I think. Well, I guess my last thing to that point then would be VR has been struggling for years. It's tried to break into the mainstream. The closest it ever got was with the Quest 2. Apple's going to come out. They could potentially be the mainstream device. But to your point, just like Sony, they really enjoy a closed ecosystem. They want stuff that's exclusive to only their platform, only their headset, only their software. Do you think VR can be successful if Apple, Meta, PlayStation, all these players are just doing their own thing and no one ever, you know, there's no kind of combination of what makes VR good in one, not just one platform, but at least shared between the multiple platforms? Or do you think that everyone trying to do their own thing and their own metaverse and their own, because we talked about this in the past of like, you know, if everyone's doing their own metaverse, what what does that even mean? That's not really all that, that interesting. But yeah, if everyone's just doing their own thing in VR and AR, can it really be successful? No, no. I'd say it for VR, and this is the thing too, right? Like for VR to be what people envisioned it as or, you know, envisioned the metaverse being, there needs to be some sort of unifying, some sort of unifying, I guess, software would Mm -hmm. be the best thing. There needs to be some sort of, app or some sort of program that people are using across platforms so you know on your quest devices on your psvr devices on your your indexes on whatever sony or not sony whatever apple ends up coming with there needs to be some sort of thing where it's like anyone on any device can play it 
and you can play with anyone on any other device. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, Apple loves their closed ecosystems, as you said. If you if they have some sort of thing that's successful, that, oh, you know, we are, we really want to play this or we really want to, this experience on the Apple headset, but it costs $2,000, there's a whole lot of people that won't be able to afford it as much as they want to that just simply can't afford it. Yeah. You know, so it won't get adopted widely. But if it's, let's say, if it's only on the MetaQuest devices, then maybe it loses that cool factor of, oh, Apple's doing this, you know, and everyone's interested because this is Apple's version of VR. This is, you know, it, yeah, they're just going to lose out on the cool factor. I think for VR to be widely adopted, there needs to be some sort of unifying software, you know, like the way instagram is widely adopted on you know not just apple devices but on androids mm -hmm. there needs to be something like that that anyone can access on vr that everybody wants to access on vr and until that it's not going to be that widely adopted like you know 21 million is a lot but in the grand scheme of like okay when you look at phones when you look at smart watches when you look at consoles it's not that much yeah it's what what do you think VR needs or would need in order to be widely adopted by the masses? I, I'm 100% with you. I think, well, one, I think, you know, really cool and interesting software um, has to be there. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, meta canceling games that were really popular and, you know, uh, you know, Valve not making half-life alex available on psvr2 yet we don't know why maybe they just want to keep it exclusive but that all just comes down to exactly what you're saying it can't be just a bunch of closed ecosystems there has to be some reason for you know if i get a meta quest 3 that i can interact with somebody who has you know whatever the expensive apple headset is but then also the, the reason why that's important is because once again, when it comes down to software, if I'm a developer, I want my stuff to be available on everything. Um, and I want them all to communicate with each other. It's kind of like how back in the day, if you had uh, Call of Duty for PlayStation and Call of Duty for Xbox, you couldn't play together. Like it just it was separate for no reason. Um, that's where these headsets are now. And it just doesn't make any sense, especially if you know, you're a company like Microsoft or Meta who's talking about, oh, this is how you're going to collaborate and, you know, work with people in the future. Well, then that means everyone that you're working with has to use the exact same thing. That would be like saying, if I want to call somebody on my iPhone, they have to have an iPhone. No, <laughs> it should be universal, right? It doesn't matter what phone they have. I, I can call them and, and ask them a question if I need to work with them. So, yeah, it's just I feel like I think I feel like VR is is never going to hit the mainstream with the ideas and, and how it's been working right now. It just seems like a not interesting device. It hasn't got me interested. I know you've talked about how you're kind of interested in the PSVR too, but it even took that to get there. And VR has been around for years at this point, and it feels like it's not really growing. So, yeah, it, I think they're kind of doomed unless they kind of come together and be like, hey, we need to make this cool if we want this to be the next big product like the cell phone and, and you know, like the tablet. We kind of need to, to not try to do this on our own and, and work together to make this actually interesting and compelling. Any closing statements? Uh, no, just a quick shout out that uh, at least right now, who knows how long this will be, but the Pixel 7 
is now the same cost as the Pixel 7a. Uh, it's on sale right now. So I don't know if you just bought a Pixel 7a when it came out, you're probably pretty upset because now the Pixel 7 is the same price as it. But yeah, it's just an interesting thing that Google is doing. I don't know why. But then also this could potentially mean that the Pixel 7a will go down $200 in a few months. Who knows? But yeah, it's just weird phones. <laughs> yeah. Take it easy, everyone in podcast land. Catch you the next episode.